Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to episode two of season three of Comic Book Nation. We are the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me is our comic book team. We have producer Jim Viscardi with us today. Hello. We have Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. And Matthew Aguilar. What up? Hey, buddy. Um, so we're back today for the second ep of season three. I almost said two. Man, I think we just all want to forget season two happened uh, <laughs> in 2020. But uh, no, it we did our best. Three. Yes. <laughs> Um, and we are here today because we are excited to be back talking about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is going to kick off this week with the release of WandaVision on Disney+. And right up first, we've got a guy who has seen WandaVision before a lot of you have. Mr. Jim Viscardi oh produced some WandaVision impressions for us. Spoiler free. No worries. We are taking all spoilers out, but here is a taste of what you guys are going to get when Marvel drops WandaVision on Disney Plus this Friday. Jim. All right. So uh, I can't go like too, too deep. Obviously, like the, the uh, embargo for that, I believe, hits to hits tomorrow. But what I can say are kind of my overall impressions about, uh, about WandaVision, right? And so this is a show that... It, honestly, I feel it's like coming at like the, the perfect time. So they they let us watch the first three episodes, and I'm glad actually that the first two episodes are being made available up front this Friday because I believe that they truly are kind of a, a package deal that helps sets up the um, a lot of like the the, the WTF kind of moments uh, uh, for like what this show was going to be. Right? We've the the sitcom aspect of the show is which is the part that's been the wo- most widely, uh, you know, presented and as far as the marketing and and whatnot goes, is is really just a part of the overall story. Like there, it it goes so much deeper, so much so that where there are moments that you can feel the reality of everything creeping in. Like those are legit tense moments where I am, li- where I found myself just like. Oh, it's about to it's about to get real. And and it comes in just like just, you know, little drops here and there that, you know, I, I believe will probably pick up obviously as the show goes on. Um but but man, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany as Wanda uh Maximoff and Vision got nearly not nearly enough screen time up to this point in the MCU. And boy, it makes me feel like we did. And I, I got, that's why I'm glad this is happening because they are so good together. 
and they play they play off each other really really well um you know there we've seen in the a lot of the the trailers and teasers that you know uh you, it seems like obviously, like, where did vision come from? What is this vision? Uh, what, like, what's what's the whole deal? Did Wanda create him? Uh, you know, is it? Uh, there's a, a ton of theories that are, are being put out there, and I think the thing that makes this really, um, really interesting is that Paul Bettany plays that off really freaking well, and and like you can't tell whether or not Wanda is aware of what's go like what's going on right like you you kind of get hints that she you know that she may know or doesn't know but like but you don't and and like and like that's the biggest mystery at least up until you know the first 3 is is not really solved um the supporting cast is is so is is just so great um i i can't tell if a lot of my excitement has been because of the drought that we've had as far as mcu stuff goes <laughs> yeah, that was my first I, question are like, you, that's a very that's you, a very real starving man getting and getting a meal finally that's very like, here but the thing that took me by surprise is i had i didn't know what to expect from this show right because like they said like so much of it was built around the the sitcom basis of it that's really all that we've seen like how is it gonna homage uh, i dream a genie or how is it gonna homage full house or or whatever and like so much of that takes such a back seat Really, like you don't care about that stuff, but you care about how the show is being presented in, in a way that really um, uh, j- it just kind of takes you by surprise. And this is a show. This is a project made to be a show. This is not. This is not a movie. This is not a like. It's. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be a movie. Like it. It really. Like I said, I think as the episodes go on, it'll probably feel feel more like your prestige television type stuff like your game of thrones or, or, or whatnot, just as far as like the scope of, uh, of that goes. But the, the little, just like, you know, just the, the, the drips that we, we get here have really been a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a show for everyone. I think a lot of MCU fans are going to love it. Um, I think new fans coming in may take a little, uh, adjustment, uh, you know, to, to, to the show, um, but for, but like comic fans are going to totally dig it. Like there's a ton of awesome Easter eggy kind of things that, uh, you know, people, you know, people like us just eat up. So just taking a couple questions from the comments, yep. Google, Sh- Google Shumway asked, does it have a similar feel to something like Legion, which a very acclaimed show again, but maybe not as accessible to like a big, huge mainstream audience. It's I mean, it's definitely not as trippy as, as I feel like Legion got at certain uh, certain times, um, but there are there are definitely things at play uh, that that yeah, like it's the first three episodes really don't they give you just the tiniest bit of insight as to like what may actually be behind what this mystery is. And I think it's just enough time that like, by the time we get to week two, or I guess week three of the show, that's when it's really, I think that's when it's really going to kick into high gear. Um, but like I said, for week one and two, it's, there's still, there's so much mystery that I think it's hard to even anticipate where the show may go. Uh, just a couple procedural questions again, from coming from, uh, coming from our fans who are watching how many episodes do we have locked and loaded for this? And how long is each episode? I, so I think the episode times are going to vary. I think episode count, I believe is nine, but it's going to be over eight weeks because we're getting 
two episodes up front. Um, but like each of the, the, the they said they haven't given us the time count. The first two were about a half hour. The third one was about forty minutes. Um, but I think I don't know if it's going to grow over time or if it's really going to be a mixed bag throughout the whole season. Um, so it's it's hard to say at this point. We can't. I don't think we can say definitively what they're going to be. But can we cheer and start screaming the MCU is back, baby? Oh, yeah, 100%. The MCU is back, baby! 100%. 100%. All right. Well, this, is, this is very firmly, like, this. It's it doesn't feel like a side project. It doesn't feel like it's an adventure taking, you know, taking place in its own kind of corner of the MCU. It It is very much an MCU thing. All right, so that is a spoiler free impression of WandaVision from Party. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully just told to us there. Um, MCU is back. That is our takeaway. We are excited, and you know we are going to be all over this, and not just us. Jim, tell the fans what else. If you guys are checking out WandaVision this week, we got a special little something in our own podcast cinematic universe here. <laughs> That's right. Brandon Davis has taken it upon himself. You know, our our, our resident MCU kind of uh, you know expert is we're launching Phase Zero, a Marvel show that is going to be available wherever podcasts can be found. It'll be this Friday, same time, eleven sorry uh, noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific, uh, and it is going to be a a you know the next couple of weeks obviously are going to be an exploration of uh, what what's going on in WandaVision out and MC, your MCU news. Uh, there'll be some interviews. I think Brandon's got Kevin Feige lined up, uh, you know, for for Friday. So that's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think the first episode will be Brandon, myself, and Jamie Jurek, who's been on Comic Nation uh, a whole bunch. So definitely tune in. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be, it'll be a lot of fun. It's where if you, the audio will be available later Friday afternoon, otherwise you can watch live, uh, on Twitch, on Facebook, uh, uh, at noon, noon Eastern nine Pacific, man, we're officially the Iron Man of this thing. Uh, yeah, it's, cool. it's, it's, it's like, you know, look, that was one of the things that we want to do. So now you can get comic book programming three times a week live. Monday is a wild podcast has appeared. Wednesday is comic book nation. Uh, Friday is phase zero. So, uh, look at that. We're just building our own little network here. It's awesome. Make yeah. sure you follow. Right. So, yeah, you guys know BD. He's going to be doing phase zero, and I'm sure we're going to be having some fun crossovers, fun with him oh, on absolutely. that. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled, and it launches this Friday with WandaVision. So, you have a place to really dig into this series with, I mean, I don't know if anybody and knows. And we're, we're, we're going to talk spoilers, so you better watch it before, yeah. you, before you come watch <laughs> yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, BD knows everything that's happening. I think BD has, like, been shadowing Kevin Feige for years and knows everything. <laughs> He's been asking him about yeah. Nova for, like, Nova, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we, uh, look, yeah. if you tune in on Friday, you'll get you'll get an update on Nova as well. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's the Every sizzle. Time. That's we the sizzle. All right, thanks, Jim. So now that we know that WandaVision is coming, there's been press for it, obviously, and... Kevin Feige has been out and talking. So we thought we'd kind of round up just a, quite a few few things that they've been talking about, about what's going on after this long year delay of uh, 2020 with the current phase of Marvel Cinematic Universe projects as from our interviews with Feige and a bunch of other outlets. So some fun things to get to kind of go over, just we're going to run through. Uh, first of all, it was kind of cool. We got uh, our first kind of confirmation of what we all knew, but now have confirmed we get more Avengers movies, y'all. Endgame was not the endgame for that uh, franchise. So, you know, Kevin Feige is always cagey. He doesn't ever nail anything down too much, but he just let us know that this is a thing that is going to keep happening, right? Um, so there was kind of some speculation that they could just start spinning off and, and launching other things. But, of course, it is 
you have to be you got to be like a lawyer with Kevin Feige, right? Every single thing he says down to the letter. A master Jedi, black belt level of just like eating up interview time, just by like and saying nothing. And saying nothing. That's that's true. I used to prepare. It was a chess game. I remember I went into Thor: The Dark World, and I was like, "Okay, Infinity Stones, we're coming for you, Feige." Uh, but yeah, the man's a master. That's just true. But um, yeah, we are going to continue the Avengers franchise, so that's not going to disappear for forever. But of course, there's room for it. Like we've always speculated for it to come back, yes, but in a different form, like Young Avengers or New Avengers or something or something different. Champions, yeah, make champions. it happen. Make champions. You are, you are so that's on that a, champions branding. That's so you don't think they'll just take everything now that's like really big and make them into the Avengers, like with Doctor Strange kind of being at the forefront and throwing Wanda and Vision. Like, you don't think that's what they're going to do? Do you think they're just going to more so go into like a comic book direction, like start over? What are your thoughts on that? I think it'll just I think the first story will be about why the Avengers are changing in the way it's changing, whether it's an, a younger crew or trying to fulfill the you know older generation's legacy or something of just a new recruitment of, uh, you know, very different this time heroes. Yeah, I mean, like, um, it'll. Yeah. I feel like it's the natural thing after Sam takes the mantle right in the comics like we saw that Avengers team change up quite a bit and it was a mix. It was a mix of legacy people stepping in. And then it was some new characters, newer characters at the time. Uh, I feel like it'll be that as opposed to like a full blown young Avengers or anything or any, like Jim, yeah. like Jim said, that that is a project on its own. I mean, champions or young Avengers can be its own thing. It doesn't have to be, oh, this is the Avengers now. So that's well, the, there's, there's still so much of the MCU landscape that is still undefined really. Right. Like mm -hmm. shield is gone. Like what, like the accords are still, the accords like they still exist and so um uh, so like how does the mcu deal with that you know obviously you know a big part of uh wandavision is how sword is involved and we know nick fury has built sword and so we don't know how that is going to affect <laughs> things like there are still a ton of unanswered questions about by the, the way MCU. can i ask about okay so is is sword because i know you can't really get in the spoilers but is sword like covered in those first couple episodes do we get any kind of real meaty no. stuff there okay not yet they're just, a, is, they're just a group with some things on their jacket. Where is Abigail Brand? <laughs> Why is Nick Fury low? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but, like, like, that's the thing. So, like, that, I mean, I feel like that's the, one of the really exciting parts about the start of phase four, right? Is how it can, like, it's almost a new runway that's being paved that we have to, like, kind of build, you know, that we just need to build on, um, which is just fun. Like, it, it, it feels like the early days of the MCU just with a different set. Uh, of characters and i'm curious to see how you know see where it goes and a wider fan base too you know exactly like these people are going to actually get shine that it took quite a while to get on you know our core avengers our first avengers i feel like well, so many people didn't jump on i think you gotta remember too like back when iron man started like no one knew or cared about iron man as a character yeah. like, so it's oh yeah he was called like a c, c he was a c-level character avenger squad well that was always the running joke that was that yeah was that thor captain america and iron man were always like c-level compared to <laughs> superman batman and wonder woman because it or, was always or like, even spider-man and the x-men like yeah. they always play they play it, that's why it was such a big Marvel, deal when bendis did his avenger squad and actually like made it an A plus team of like, here's all the best characters you have to offer. <laughs> We're putting them on a team, you know, and now it's such a different story, but yeah. 
Yeah. One question from uh, Dredge Knight is, do you guys expect there to be the kind of same every 10 years Thanos-level threat, or do you think we'll get kind of big threats more often kind of spread out? God, I yeah. hope it's more often. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm really <laughs> the answer. I'm, I'm sitting here like I'm just... Uh, I'm staring like I'm just an active, you know, an active participant. But um, I, I think it'll be kind of more threats more often of that scale because um, the stakes have just been kind of raised. And it's like we're already dealing with like a multiverse that could have everybody from like Mephesto to Dormammu along with Kang also in the mix somewhere. And yeah. plus all, you know, the Mandarin. And so I think it'll be. Like, kind I don't of, you know, I don't want to be 60 when they finally when the MCU finally yeah. gets to Apocalypse. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Like that, like think of it, right? Like they've got it. Like okay, so we have the Fantastic Four coming. So presumably, maybe Galactus. Like we won't even get Galactus in like twenty years. At the you know, I need annihilation every every yeah, ten years. Right? I don't think can I get annihilation it. first, please. Well, that's it. Yeah. We don't even think that, right? Like we're probably going to get. Well, obviously, it seems more likely now than ever that we'll get Doctor Doom uh, for Fantastic Four, for it, right? So that so that'll be nice. We're going to get that relatively soon. But then, like you think, okay, what are the other big menaces? Like you got Galactus, you got Annihilus. Um, uh, like I said, like Apocalypse when they inevitably bring in the X Men, like they're probably gonna, they're probably gonna wait five years to bring into the X Men. Oh At that point, like Magneto probably has to be the villain first, right? And then from there, like where the hell do you go? Like that's it. I'm gonna be sixty, and I'm gonna be like, yes, Apocalypse. <laughs> it's for the future generations. Yeah, <laughs> for your daughter. <laughs> so that's yeah. I mean, I think yeah, we're gonna, yeah, gonna move it. I think we're gonna move it and uh, like I think they'll move it faster and have more kind of events they can package more often. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and sell a set. You know, not to be cynical, but I think that's the way we're gonna get it. Um, moving on, just because we got a couple more of these to run through. Do you, Feige didn't say anything about the Spider-Man three casting, but he said what I love. He always says he's like, well, online people are sometimes way off and sometimes shockingly close. And that's always true, but I don't want to spoil the fun by telling you which one this is. Oh my god. Which is, you know, if you read between the lines of Feige, <laughs> so good. Some so good of this is definitely true. So I think yeah. we are getting this crazy Spider Verse. I think the question still remains, as we've dug, dug into on the show, is will this be like a major component of the story, or just kind of like a grand sequence that arguably either helps resolve the plot in some way, or or opens the door to a larger Spider Verse live action franchise that Sony can then sink its hooks into after its kind of initial partnership arc with Marvel is done. Fingers crossed for that sequence. Cause yeah. Yeah. It would be nice for Spider-Man to actually have his own movie. Yeah. Oh my God. No, Hey, yeah. we said we, uh, we, yeah, right. we should, I mean, it's a program note. We are going to more of a PG PG 13 show, just like the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we found out the demographics prove it. Most of our fans are adults, and so we can we can adult this a little bit. We're gonna go up to Netflix from Disney Plus, so that's what we're doing. So uh, yeah, you can you can let your opinion fly, let it out. It's twenty twenty. So negative starting out this. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Or maybe you're just it's a fair it's a fair point. Yeah, maybe you're just so right. You're just so right. Spider Man has just basically been a background character in his own freaking movies. Hey. I love these movies featuring Spider-Man. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you all saw what it was when Civil War came out. You saw what it was. He's Marvel made Marvel team up in the movies, and it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. it. That, that, that couldn't have been a more perfect uh, analogy. The Spider-Man <laughs> movies are basically Marvel team-up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know if you guys are looking around, but I don't think anybody's getting their own movie anymore. Like, <laughs> that's true. That's Thor true. Love and Thunder is an event. The Guardians just landed to yeah. film yeah. that. Like, Spider-Man's going to have everybody from every franchise. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is the only hope. Show, that's it. No Thank one you. has been spliced in the Shang-Chi yet. Maybe, well, the maybe. Mandarin's already going to be connected. I mean, I'm not going to be we surprised when Danny Rand shows up for a cameo. I'm actually curious to see like, uh, you know, if anyone's going to show up in Eternals. Yes, I need Felicia like, Hardy. In this whole MCU conversation, that is the movie that that no one is talking about. And like, as someone who's Except a giant fan of, the, as someone who's a giant <laughs> fan of the Eternals, like, I'm worried. Why? Why? Now you're worried. Now you're worried. (laughs) Wait, why are you worried now? Because like it makes sense why they're not talking. I mean, delayed and stuff. Okay, first of all, have you seen the figures? Yes, I did see those. Those costumes. I those costumes are okay. But the figures. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm I'm throwing you a bone here. Maybe it's the fact that the figures just suck, and it's not. Oh, because the costumes look good in the concept art. They do. And the cast is the awesome. The cast art is really pretty. That's the best thing. It's I can really pretty. The figures, not to I'm really, look. I think the the celestials look really cool. I'm really excited to to see that stuff. But the fact that like, yeah. like we haven't even begun to to board the hype train for this, it, like, is is concerned. Like I get it, right? Like we're still waiting for Black Widow to to happen. Yeah. And yeah. like I'm sure we're gonna get you know another Black Widow trailer before that movie comes out. And then if I think wow. we stitch all the trailers together, we'll see, have seen half the movie. But that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's yeah. just, it's just like, like that's a franchise that, that like I just love. It, it, but again, as is with franchises, Jim loves they get no, they get no love seemingly from Marvel at press events. So like Eternals gets nothing. Moon Knight got got a, a mention. Hey, I'm uh, right there with Disney you. Disney investor call. <laughs> uh, and so like, so you know, whatever. I'll just, you gotta be patient, I guess. Sad Jim. All right. Feige <laughs> um, <laughs> did uh, kind of. We did get confirmation that, although this is interesting, that the WandaVision people, the Doctor Strange people, and the Spider-Man 3 people are all collaborating. So this thing that we've identified and been talking about as this kind of multiverse arch of the Phase 4 storyline is definitely connected in these projects. And I think Loki will touch on this as well. So that's real interesting. Um, Yeah, so getting these, like I said, I think I answered the other question about villains. Like this, I could see getting packaged as a set. Like some kind of multiverse story is like, yeah. okay, watch this block. And Disney Plus is, I feel like, is going to break this all up because they already yeah. do this kind of stuff. Is like, here's an arc. Watch all these things. It just feels like, like the MCU is turning into the world tree, basically, right? Where like yeah. you had the first 10 years were the trunk and now it's branching out into, you know, various worlds and realms. Uh, and we'll Clearing see. The way. And I love it. I think it's uh, great. Yeah, another update that's good. Uh, Deadpool has been confirmed, rated R in the MCU. So that is yeah. happening. Huge win. Yeah, that is a huge win, um, getting Deadpool rated R. So that's great. And yeah, man. Oh, somebody said that as soon as we did. (laughs) (laughs) Profile 10, you're really on the point. Yeah, so Deadpool is going to be rated R in the MCU with Ryan Reynolds, who's working closely with Kevin Feige on developing this next stage. So that's a big win because that kind of finally cracks the barrier on the MCU being this only family-friendly formula. And now Disney is going to diversify, and we're all hoping that Blade will follow right behind it and go full R and really bring, like, you know, the vampire story in an MCU into a literal and figurative darker place. So that's. Uh, Does yeah. this mean that 
I might actually get the X Force movie I wanted. Like this you is might. Yeah, really? I mean it's possible. Uh, yes, yeah. in in 2053. Yeah. Oh, God. But um, yeah. Oh, yeah. People are saying in the comments that Eternals has that inhuman oh, feel. I, saw that. That's I didn't that one. I, didn't That's not good. Good. I know. I, I was the guy, the guy who went to that IMAX Eternals premiere. Oh, bless you. It was me and three other weirdos <laughs> who I'm not sure weren't there for some kind of other meetup, but uh, I don't know. But it was just like, yeah. And I almost joined them because it was that boring watching Eter- Inhumans. But uh, I yeah. Yes, Cable and they, they both said like obviously everyone's very busy and so like we it's probably going to be another three the maybe four years before we see deadpool three wow. but like i feel like that needs to be three four years really yeah they said they're not filming it they're not gonna they can't start this year they'll yeah. maybe start filming next year which means we won't get it until year three yeah i mean feige said as much they said brian reynolds is busy so it's gonna be a minute mm-hmm. but yeah. um but like but, but the the thing is though is that like this is at least they have confirmed what feels like the bridge to the X-Men, right? So like, yeah. like that, this will, we will, we know it's coming. We know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get explanations here or there, but like it's now more than ever, we know Feige is taking the Fox, Fox stuff and, and putting it into the MCU. Yeah. Now, what does that mean for the, the other X-Men movies? It's still a big question mark, but yeah. Yeah, well, actually, let's take a break, and then I actually want to—I wanted to talk about that. So let's take a break real quick, and we come back. We're going to talk about what is going on with X Men and the MCU. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners, and for a limited time, Tend is offering seven hundred fifty dollars off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. All right, so we're back. We're talking all these Marvel Phase 4 updates from Kevin Feige that we got recently. And uh, we were talking Deadpool 3 being confirmed as rated R in the MCU. And as uh, Jim was saying, this is kind of, we're seeing the first steps towards building the bridge to the X-Men making their MCU debut. Kevin Feige wouldn't say anything kind of firm on that. He just said that it's a ways off and there's long ongoing discussions about how they're going to do this and adapt them for the MCU. And that's kind of the question I just wanted to pitch you guys to kind of finish up our Marvel MCU talk. What do you think for this kind of version of the X-Men we're getting in the MCU? Because I've been kind of racking my brain about like what it should be because there's a problem of, you know, what what era are we adapting of the X-Men who have wildly changed in, in different eras? And how do we do it in a way that it that feels organic and logical to explaining why they appear in the MCU now or why we didn't know about them before? And personally, I think I want an amalgamation of kind of like the classic 90s stuff and some of this House of X stuff, because I think there is like a lot of good stuff that House of X has kind of put together that I think should be adapted for these movies without getting too deep into like the House of X, you know, X-Men soaked lore of it all. Um, I think it's interesting to have them have a mutant nation, I think is very interesting having them do this kind of powers, combining powers to achieve godlike stuff is is really interesting and, and would make them much different from any other characters in the MCU. I think having a character like Moira is is kind of key 
that you can play with kind of different versions of the MCU without having to do kind of all multiverse things and why mutants might have an agenda and like in a battle plan because she's seen stuff that goes horribly wrong and why they maybe didn't reveal themselves to the to humanity because they did that in a different MCU yeah. and it didn't go so hot. Can you um, imagine a quiet council like yeah. meeting in like the MCU? Oh my God, I lose my lose my mind. Um, <laughs> try not to cuss there. Lose my damn, mind. Damn they want to take, want to take it too uh, rated. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm so glad because I, I know, I mean, all of us have been, where are the X-Men? Where are the X-Men? And, and I was one of the ones that got torched for, <laughs> hey, take your time. And oh my God, after House of X and Powers, I am so glad because now we actually have the opportunity to maybe inject some of that stuff as opposed to just rushing something up and having this half I, again trying I, to hold I have up. to disagree with both. I think X, I think House of X, Powers of Ten is way too heady stuff for them to even as a begin whole, to, to try. I don't, right. know. I don't think you can't it. take it straight from the comics. No, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. I think we're I think we're more apt to get an asteroid M type situation where or or a Genosha type thing where like the mutants have the mutants existed, they left uh like and have been living, you know, on you know uh, uh, another yeah, uh, it works just like that though. Yeah, like, yeah. Why can't you do? Because like that, and it makes sense that they live on a mutant island. Like, yeah, that. they've yeah. kept themselves away. They have their own government, and when they finally mesh with like all these other heroes and like our societies, it's this interesting clash of things. And you slowly learn some basic things. They don't need to get into the fact that like. I don't even say like they have to be like oh they have to be reborn and like they can never like you don't have to go everything in house but i think some of those core elements can easily be moved in and i mean i'm sorry this is also a marvel universe that at the beginning i feel like everybody was like no multiverse people won't understand multiverses people won't understand all this and now we're like getting into stuff like that so like bs i call bs on the fact that people can't understand things it's fine yeah. and uh, yeah i mean i just think there has to be a way to keep i think the x-men kind of old school we're just like mutant superheroes operating a secret in a world of fear and hates us. It's kind of played out now. I think the civil rights analogies that it was kind of touching on are played out now and very different. I don't think anybody wants to retread a Magneto Professor X rivalry again. It's like the Uncle Ben and Batman origin of movies. Like, again, like we've seen this so many times. Like, I think them being together and linked in this kind of thing and running an entire mutant nation is more interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, that's a question we could be arguing about forever. We but have a uh, question in the chat. I heard Rogue being in Captain Marvel too. Not uh, too crazy about the idea. Good origin story for Rogue, but not a fan of Brie Larson. Yeah, I know. Can't help you with one of those. We cannot help you with one of those. But um, <laughs> it was. I think the Rogue story is a classic. I mean, that's some of the most classic imagery. I think it would be interesting if Carol Danvers did go through that point of losing her powers and, and all of that stuff. Okay, can I be honest? I am Man, so. I, if you talk about really you talk about pearls and you talk about like seeing the death of like Uncle Ben and seeing the death of, I am so over Carol losing her powers. If I see that one more time, I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> I hate that storyline so much. I've seen that in the comics like eighty times. This, this she like gets her memories wrong, and even in the latest run, they even make kind of a meta joke on it in one story of like seriously the character is sick of that happening i'm good with keeping rogue separate and letting captain marvel be captain marvel and just do something else <laughs> i just i just thought about for a second on the x-men front like all the villains that they have and like 
I'm going to be dead before half of them show up on, oh my on the screen. Wow. No. You are, <laughs> you how long we were this close to seeing Mr. Sinister on screen this close. You don't and want like, that B version of Mr. Sinister. I understand. But now <laughs> we're going to ruin the it. A version of Sinister. Gonna like, it's going it. to be forever. Oh, man. Oh, boy. I think it's important wow. that they have familiar characters for people who are not super confident or don't know the story that, you know, House of X, House of M, like all that stuff. Um, you guys know I'm a beginner in this. And so if I saw Rogue, if I saw Storm, like I would feel more comfortable with yeah. that. Listen, I'm just going to tell my kids the House of X is the X-Men. That's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> one of those. He's going to be like, what's this? I'm going to be like, I see X-Men. And that's, oh, you didn't know? Oh, uh, no, yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, we still got, I mean, this is the biggest question facing the MCU. Even more so, I think, than the Fantastic Four is how they do the X-Men. And at least we know how Deadpool's coming in. He's coming in. We were this close to getting Omega Red. This close. <laughs> now, okay, I know you love that character. So that one hurts because it was going to be in Deadpool, correct? Yep. So they were going to do that right. Like, so a, that one hurt. Disney Plus character at best. Oh, <laughs> All right. yeah. Let's move it. Let's go. We got to talk comics because there is another controversial thing I got to talk about and vent on. Oh, wow. So we're moving over to comics. And uh, before we get in the books, we're going to review this week. They're doing another clone saga Miles Morales, Spider Man clone saga. I had to look this up. <sighs> this is I'm... like the third one. I, I I couldn't even get a clear like point of view. I didn't even know no, what no nobody can. Yeah, no, don't worry. That's oh, not bitch, you. No, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I am going to throw a grenade in a stump though. I did love that '90s Clone Saga. You could come at me. You guys, I, I'm come not at coming at you. I bought every single issue. I bought I every single issue. I ride with Ben Riley to the day that I die. He's a true hero. In some ways, I think he's a truer hero than Peter Parker. But uh. Oh. I love Ben Riley, but oh. uh, yeah, Scarlet Spider for life. And Kane, come on, Kane was okay. Kane was great. Oh my god, we oh. are bonding over the weirdest thing. I never would have thought <laughs> we would have agreed on the club saga. I, okay. And his poor Quasimodo face when he finally took off the mask, and I was like, "Oh, Kane, you're just a tragic anti-hero." Now, what can I say though, the story makes absolutely no sense. Oh no, no, it, I didn't say that. Absolutely yeah. terrible as a plot. It was and just it, that. And, I mean, the story was basically that Miles Craven the Jackal had clone plans on clone plans on clone plans on clone plans. It was so yeah. editorially driven by we need to keep this alive, and it's it, you can feel it. It's lost. Yeah. It's essentially lost of like, we got to keep this going. We got to keep answering these questions we keep presenting. And then we ran out of answers. And so and that was the best. I think the best part was the end because it was like you revealed that uh, Norman Osborn was uh, behind it all. Like, yeah, that was that was good. That part was fun. But uh, Miles Morales clone saga is coming our way. Uh, how are you guys feeling, Jim? I know you got something to say. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> like, to Why? It just makes no like because it sells, Jim. The no, last no one, one. Look, I understand. This, I understand nostalgia is hot right now. No one looks back at that clone saga fondly. Like e that is like even <laughs> I know, were, but they buy them. <laughs> Sl that slot one sold like tons of copies and was a huge was talking but that point was, because of how bad the original was. Give so. Miles, give Miles his own damn stories. Like you're real. not getting any argument for me. Okay. I'm just saying I know why they do it. Have you ever I seen the Clone Saga? Have you ever seen the Clone Saga in black? Ah. Like, here, this is what's gonna, but this is what's gonna happen, right? Like at this at this rate, we're gonna get a, a you know Miles's version of King in Black in two years. 
Yeah. And it'll sound like hockey. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need it. King and new black. Money. King and <laughs> deeper black. Yeah, there you oh, go. The question man. is, is Matt, will we be reading those? Here's the thing. The team behind <laughs> it is it's great quite team, good. Which is unfortunate. Okay? So it's it's a good team. Also, they say now. Granted, this could also be just like PR speak, but they say in like the email that kind of talks about like some of the stuff that like this is really something they've been planning for years. Yada yada. They've been planting the seeds in the story. Who knows if that's the case? I because of the creative team involved, I am intrigued to at least see what they do differently. They're supposedly like he has three clones. There's and they've already revealed the designs, which are actually admittedly pretty cool. Um, except for the one who just looks exactly like him with blades on his arms because that feels so 90s. But yes, that's I will at least read the first issue. Actually, no, knowing me because I read almost all these things, I will read the whole series. But whether I want to or not remains using this as a vehicle to sell toys. If they mess, all I know is they better not mess with original Miles by the end. Like he's just coming into his own. Don't, don't, yeah. start and that's, yeah. and like, honestly, that's the biggest thing. Like, I think, I think we're finally past the um miles integration into the, the the mainline marvel universe and he really is starting to become like he really is his own character uh that that i that i have that i love reading i just like when it to me it just feels like a gimmick i'm sure there's a, you know there there may be a good story there given who the creative team is i just like i understand the need for the gimmick to raise awareness and sell books but not that one any other one just not that one. Yeah. All right, we're gonna be Dude, for Spider sure Island again. I don't care. Well, like, stop. Just, <laughs> wait, what did you say? You said Spider, Island, Spider Island, Island again. I mean, stop. look, I'll take that over one more day. Yeah, but I don't want to. No. Spider <laughs> Island managed to pull itself off. Let's not test those waters again. All right, <laughs> let's uh, go to our books this week, Matt. What are we doing this week for comics? All right, so we're actually going to continue. Uh, we're actually going to touch on some books from last week as well though of course it is future state season uh so we've got a oh god six we got six new future state books wow. uh and you know kind of like last week there was a a mix of like really good titles and some that you can like completely pass on um though even in some of those there were some b stories that were really good so uh but first i know kofi really wanted to talk some x-men because we didn't really get to cover it uh, last week with all the future state stuff going on. So um, we wanted to talk about X-Men and Hellions. And I know uh, Kofi had some thoughts on the X-Men vision. Is that correct? I did. Um, I just had some <laughs> thoughts about where the X-Men is going since uh, Ten of Swords. Uh, yeah, Ten of Swords. And, you know, these books were really kind of helping to continue the post-crossover stage setting for the next phase of this Dawn of X initiative. Um, the Hellions one was interesting. Uh, I love Hellions, first of all. So not enough, I feel like not enough people read this book. That book is way better than I think it has any right any right yeah. to be. And I, I really love it. enjoyed it. And I, I wasn't it for Danny alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just like it, it's the best Marvel Suicide Squad ripoff they've ever done. Um, it, it's just kind of really uh, good. And, and uh, did, you, did you not read King and Black Thunderbolts this week? That oh no, good. I haven't gotten. I was I'm not going to that yet. No, that I was that really was very good. good and and basically like Suicide Squad so much like it to the, like where they play the gag of people just dying. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, as soon as I heard King and Black Thunderbolts, I, I kind of got the concept. I was like, oh boy, some people are going to yeah. really buy it. Um, so that's going to be cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I like Hellions. 
is one of the stronger kind of new titles in this Dawn of X line. And this week is great. They had a kind of, and they just do weird, funny stuff in this book. So like, you think this cheesy nineties recap of Cameron Hodge comes back, but it's this whole thing about him and infecting these robots with his techno organic virus, which all falls apart when he finds out that spoilers, he's not really Cameron Hodge. He's a robot and has his robots like shoot him down. But um, it takes a dark turn at the end. And that's what I love about this book is it can shift so much. Yeah. And it, after all this funny confrontation with this kind of cheesy classic X-Men villain, we get this dark turn that, you know, Psylocke is ordered to destroy this race of AI robots that have just become self-aware. And like Havoc, Havoc had this hilarious kind of uh, ambassador, brief ambassadorship with to kind of making mutants friends with these robots, which is a big deal mm-hmm. because mutants and robots have a very bad future timeline kind of, you know, I don't want to call future history, but that's kind of what it is. But uh, yeah, and so they kill all the robots. And we find out that the X-Men actually have what equates to like a genocide protocol for for artificial intelligence. Is They're going around the world, and anytime they see it start to pop up, they're taking it out. Got to keep that Nimrod from happening, man. Yeah, they're trying to stop that Nimrod. But uh, yeah, and this goes back to House of X and Moira's kind of vision that it's inevitable uh, that you know, that is basically it said in House of X that mutants and machines are the two offshoots of humanity that will battle for dominance, you know, far enough down the timeline. And they're like Highlander. There's only room for one. Right. Um, But my thing was like, this is kind of dark and it kind of makes the X-Men just like, you know, the people who have been, they've been fighting against all these years. Like, are you better than the Sentinels when, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's exactly right. I saw that comment. (laughs) The X-Men are acting like Sentinels. They are trying to eliminate a group before they are alive, which raises some pretty interesting questions and continues to make Krakoa this kind of really interesting and fun kind of gray area of, you know, very noble and very kind of shifty purposes that come with running an actual nation and government, Um, whether it's Beast and his crazy interrogations or this Awful. kind of protocol. Worst X-Men character. Yeah, I know. Period. Nobody likes Beast. Worst. I mean, I want Dark Beast. Dark Beast should just take over at this point. Like, yes. Be better. I can't believe we've gotten to a point where I would prefer Age of Apocalypse Dark Beast over the like original Hate McCoy. <laughs> Remember that comic where Dark Beast buried him behind yeah. the wall? Yeah, awesome. go back there. Go, yeah, go back that was there. the most fun I've had with Beast in years. <laughs> Awful. Um, yeah, Off put here. Beast back in the wall. Uh, so... X-Men 16 kind of continued things with showing us that this, you know, what you would think with this easy union between Krakoa and Arako, their dark kind of sister nation, doesn't go well. And it's hilariously done in this quirky, weird way because the two islands basically have marriage counseling and decide, (laughs) no, we've become different people and like we're we're not trying to unify anymore. Um, And that was great. And this was the first X-Men book I think I've enjoyed in a long time from the summer's perspective of just kind of weird quirky scenes that Hickman and them get to do like the Arako mutants looking at the Krakoa mutants and being like, nah, like, yeah, yeah. Weak, nah <laughs> maybe government whole yeah. exchange yeah. was amazing. Oh, so Magneto does his like best adult face and is like, yeah, yeah. like I'm like, we're, we're, we have a whole council. He's like, Oh no, you don't. You're, you're, you're baby government. Okay. Cool. Go, yeah. go away now. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, my love for this character Iska the Unbeaten just keeps on growing. Like, yeah. I like these Arako mutants. All those Arako they, characters yeah. are so cool, man. Yeah, and I hope they stick around. And if you guys haven't seen that part of X Men, that I was gonna say during our discussion, that's a part I hope they also bring in the MCU after the initial launch of the X Men is, and I would like that to also be part of the mythos that there were mutants, 
but they just all sacrificed themselves to save the world back in the day. And, you know, yeah. modify it a little. And Apocalypse was the only one. He's been asleep for whatever time. Um, and that's that they come back and because those characters are so freaking cool and actually have a lot of substance. And that was, if nothing else, one of the great things about 10 of swords, even if the actual tournament was kind of hokey, um, those characters. So I'm digging where the X-Men books are going. They are actually setting up some, some good intrigue uh, on a lot of fronts and even Marauders and this kind of inner political power plays between these X-Men council characters are, is great. So I'm actually digging post. And we're getting an election. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. X-Men, which is going to be dope. That is kind of funny. Yeah, I forgot about that whole thing because that book is kind of dense. But yeah, it ends with they're going to form a new X-Men team to be Krakoa's actual like superhero team. And they're going to let the mutants vote for it. Now, what I didn't understand, I wanted to ask Matt is, do we, the fans, is this kind of a meta thing? Like, are we going to vote for the X-Men? As of right now, I don't think it's, pres I don't think so. I don't, I think it'll be like, they're going to have their, because like in Marauders, they talk about their gala that they're going to have. And someone even mentions like, they're probably going to announce the new X team there. So it seems like there's probably going to be a, an issue or two where they're debating that kind of thing. Um, now it would be super cool if they did at least like one member of like, Hey, someone gets to vote, but I don't, I don't know. I don't see that happening. Like, I just don't see them releasing that kind of control <laughs> editorial <laughs> control and going hey pick this guy because you know if it's going to be me voting i'm going to vote maggot so yeah, they don't want to for that thing they don't want that they don't want that like they don't yeah. want that smoke all right but I, eating, I, invite eating. Guys, I invite you guys to check out uh pen of swords and then the kind of these post books because we are going in some interesting some interesting ways matt tell us dc Fu future state what did you think about this week sorry about that uh yeah no uh so i feel like there's there was a couple big books but the ones that I feel like you should necessarily read, uh, there was a lot of the backup stories that impressed, like Justice League, Future State Justice League, that first story with the actual Justice League was kind of a letdown for me. But the Justice League Dark story that preceded it was awesome. I, I love the fact, Detective Chip is Etrigan. <laughs> How cool Yeah, that was, that was kind of that? fun. And there's so much like back and forth because it's like a really dark story. Like things are going terribly, but like there's just enough dark humor and lighthearted stuff throughout. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, the the one that actually impressed and it's going to shock no one uh, is Future State Green Lantern, which had three stories in that. And all three were like really interesting on their own. And so like if you're going to pick up, I feel like one issue this week that's the one to pick up because I feel like there's something interesting in every single story. Uh, we also got Robin Eternal is another strong one because uh, that issue actually does some really interesting things with the magistrate and, you know, without really getting into spoilers because it's kind of towards the end, uh, does some really interesting things with Robin himself and that like spoiler interaction. There's some really cool stuff there, especially if you read We Are Robin. Uh, there's some cool uh, go backs there. So a there's a lot of interesting stuff. There was a lot more skippable this week. Like Superman, Wonder Woman was fine. You know, uh, the Supergirl book was fine. Like there was, uh, Teen Titans was interesting. But again, as a like an overall issue, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to go get it, but it does some interesting things by the end. So it was weird. Like there was a, a more like pick and choose. The other big one is Dark Detective, which is where we find out like what Batman's been up to since he's been supposedly dead. Uh, so, I mean, that, that one, one, Dan Moore could draw the phone book. And I would be interested. Uh, that book is gorgeous. And uh, but as far as like the character stuff, it is interesting. It's one of those things I feel like we were promised Joker War for so long of like, hey, this is the back to basics Batman. And then in this issue, like alone, it feels like 
it's a back to basics Batman who doesn't have all the uh, tools and money at his disposal. So I thought they did some really interesting stuff there. So if you were waiting for Joker War to kind of deliver that, just go read this issue. (laughs) I have have a totally superficial comment about Future State, and it's uh, the trade dress on the covers is oddly distracting. Um, It's it's a weird... The thing that they've got like along the border yeah. and whatnot. Like I was just, I was at like I, I noticed it last week when I was at my comic book shop and I was just like the logos, like some of the logos seem like super overcomplicated. Like the you know, the the supergirl one, like that's like her full name is the title, like Yara Gore is as And I get like, why they did it because of course like Superman's is that way. It's you know, sure. like Man of Metropolis or whatever, but like good lord, it fills up so much of the cup. It's weird. It's just weird. <laughs> no. I will say I I will say I do like this is a very radical change for comics kind of in general. Um it's on a line wide kind of scale is like the multiple like the an- almost anthology aspect that these books are carrying the multiple stories in one you know in one book the books being a bit more oversized um so i'm curious to see if this is something that that sticks if people you know are uh if this does make change i don't i, I don't know if it will nah. uh it'll always i think come down to the content but like yeah it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to keep an eye on for sure i mean it was I'm one gonna, of those I'm things right with oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go. I just want to go a little harder and say you're being very kind um, in not calling out that most of this is bait and switch. Like you buy a book that says Justice League, but most of the pages you're going to be reading are Justice League Dark. Um, and that could be hit or miss, like Matt said. Uh, I think they're just throwing a lot of things. I don't even think a lot of the main characters are the main focus. I think a lot of the secondary stuff is. Like I, I could see stuff hitting the wall and sticking. Like I could see Grifter being wrapped up in a lot more Gotham stories mm-hmm. after this because it it was cool. That was actually a good story with Cole Cash and and just in Lou uh, or what is his name Fox and just kind of seeing him in Gotham City and that kind of down and dirty setting would be interesting going forward. And I think it's a lot of that is the secondary tier characters and stories are the ones really being kind of tested. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with uh, what was it? Uh, Next Batman. I feel like the Outsiders got a big shine in that book. Uh, the last Superman book had like three stories, like Guardian, uh, and then uh, I'm blanking on the second story in that book. But yeah, like, and also too, I mean, DC shrunk its publishing output. So yeah. I mean, this is one way to still hit a lot of characters and stories without dedicating a full thing to a book that might not sell. I mean, this is also just like very practical. Uh, I feel like over the next few months, even after Future State, we still might see some books take this because, again, just because of the world we live in and things are not quite returning there as far as like an economic side of things. But on the long run, no, I think eventually things will kind of get back to normal where a book is a book. All right. Well, DC Future State is going to be, uh, I think we're just doing this, what, in January? Does it go through February too? No, February. March is the return to... Uh, infinite frontiers normalcy for a lot of things including dc books all right so we're going to be keeping an eye on that and keep you updated on what's worth reading and uh, kind of what ideas we want to see stick to the wall that'll do it for our main show but we got some quick mentions today i just wanted to shout out uh history of swear words on netflix if you guys are not watching that show man it's like a six-part kind of limited series it is fantastic nick cage is the narrator and each episode takes a different famous swear word and gives you a 
kind of they do the kind of VH1 thing. There's a collection of comedians who talk about the word and how we use it and, and you know, how it fits in society. But there's also scientists and researchers who tell you about the historical roots of these words, you know, separating the myths from the truth and all that stuff. And it's really interesting and seeing Nick Cage scream different swear words as he narrates the <laughs> is truly great. So check out History of Swear Words on Netflix. Matt. Uh, so we covered most of my comic picks that I was going to talk about in our uh, segment. But what I will say is that it was actually mentioned in the chat uh, that Ubisoft is making a massive open world Star Wars game. I've seen a lot of talk where people are saying it's like uh, could be like a revival of 1313, uh, which was the long canceled uh, project that was supposed to be kind of based around like bounty hunters and maybe possibly Boba at some point. Um, that is really interesting. And it's also interesting that Lucas uh, Games is actually going to open up the exclusivity thing. So it's not just going to be EA making Star Wars games, which I think is really interesting. And also that Indiana Jones game that just got announced. So lots of interesting. Oh my gosh, I'm there. so excited about that. Yeah, so That's very interesting awesome. to see what they do with this license. But I think it's a, a good uh, talking point. So make sure to let us know on Twitter. All right. Thank you, Matt. That'll do it for this episode. We are Comic Book Nation. We put up new episodes Wednesdays on comicbook.com. And you can watch the show there. We'll be posting it with our audio. And now uh, we started adding our YouTube videos. We are still on YouTube. We have our own little channel section over there. So we will be putting them in the articles later today after if you're watching the live stream and you want to catch up with the uh, rest of the show. If you want to listen to us, we are on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Or you can tell your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and they will start playing it for you. If you want to get into the show and kind of subscribe and be one of our regular fans, you can do so on our YouTube page, on our Twitter page. You can always just check out the hashtag Comic Book Nation to see what we're up to. Or you can follow us individually. I'm at Kofi Outlaw, as you can see. <laughs> I am Matt Aguilar CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. And at Jim Biscardi. Thank you guys again, and be sure to check out our Marvel podcast, Phase Zero, this Friday, coinciding with the launch and premiere of uh, Marvel's WandaVision. That'll be hosted by your boy Brandon Davis, and he'll have some of our awesome Marvel experts from the comic book staff on with him, and some big interviews, including starting with no less than Kevin Feige, so be sure. Phase Zero, start to subscribe in the same podcast uh, listening platforms. Make sure to check that out as well. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will definitely see you next time. Peace. See you. Bye, guys. <laughs>